Usually I wander around a bit, but today I'm going to try to stay at the pulpit, so bear with me. A couple of weeks ago, I went on a um, science camp adventure with our beloved fifth through eighth graders. And the theme for the week was center stage. Worship was on the idea of making God center stage in our lives. And the very first night at the campfire, the preacher opened their Bible to Daniel 3 and told the story that I'm going to tell you today. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to Daniel 3. In your bulletin, I tried to include as much of the story as I could, but, oh, it's a longish story and there wasn't room for everything. So turn with me there, and we'll turn to a story about worship, about standing for God, about loyalty, no matter what. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, if you think about this statue, this would be a skinny thing. 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide? Really skinny and really tall. Most likely this god was Marduk, the god of the Babylonians. And the idea that Nebuchadnezzar was trying to get across, I'm sorry, I'm having a really hard time just staying at the pulpit here. There we go. All right. This is more comfortable. The idea that Nebuchadnezzar was trying to get across was that you must serve Babylon. You see, there's this ancient document called the Babylonian Chronicle that said that around this time there had been a rebellion. There had been a rebellion among, among King Nebuchadnezzar's subjects, and he wanted to make sure that all of his top men were loyal to him, including three Hebrew young men who got caught up in the storm, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So he wants everyone who's anyone there. This is an event of the highest importance. This is where all of the top brass are supposed to be. And it was very public because most likely the plains of Dura were between the city walls. You see, Babylon had two sets of walls, one that enclosed the main part of the city and one that was a little farther out to protect from invasion. So most likely the image was set up between them because Dura means wall, the plain of the wall. So, so, the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials 
assembled for the dedication of the image King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. There's a lot of repetition in this passage to make fun of all of the ceremony and pomp and circumstance that's going on here. They repeat this list of officials to sort of play fun at just how many people King Nebuchadnezzar invited. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, at this time, some astrologers came forward against the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. By the way, by this, they didn't literally think that the king would live forever. They meant, may you live for a very long time. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. This brings me to my first point. When you stand for God, standing for God attracts attention. You can't hide it. In most images of this story, we see these three young men standing head and shoulders above everyone who's bowed down to the image on the plane. But one commentary that I read gave me a different idea that I think is more likely. I think these young men heard the decree and stayed home. Stayed home. Because that would be the easiest way for them to avoid the issue. But their, but their position in the government was so high that they could not hide even that way that they were making a stand for God. So whether they stood while all the others knelt or whether they were at home, it attracted attention. Standing for God can be a very exposing experience. It can be 
what makes it difficult is the fact that you are going against the tide of what so many other people are doing. When you stand for God, it can make you enemies. But, and we'll come to this later, Jesus is with us in every trial. So, furious with rage, Caesar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So you'll notice at this point that they've repeated that list of instruments over and over and over again. And it's a long list. I think the reason for this is that music is very powerful. Music is very powerful in worship. And whether used for good or evil, it's powerful. And one example, back when I had my season pass to Disneyland, I would line up at the gate at 8, having waited there since 6 a.m. Okay, okay, it's not because I'm that much of a fanatic, it's because my husband would drop me off on his way to work. I would line up there, I would line up there with the rest of the crowd at the gate. Oh, and it was so exciting when at around 7.45 they would let us into the park, but not to explore everything just yet. They would let us go up to the ropes. And usually I started my day in California Adventure to try to get to Guardians of the Galaxy. And oh, how exciting it was when they played that fanfare and said, I forget what in I forget what date Walt Disney came to California and it gives a history of Walt Disney and plays this big musical fanfare after which the ropes fall and everyone surges forward in an orderly fashion led by cast members to be let into the park and it's so exciting that you can't help but get caught up in the moment even though you've been through it over a dozen times before I think that Nebuchadnezzar was hoping that his exciting music would help these guys forget their God, forget their God, and worship Marduk. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, and they spoke as one voice. It's amazing how unified they are. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But, 
And this is where I really want you to pay attention. But, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of God you have set up. These young men, these young men had figured out a most difficult thing for people to figure out, which is that standing for God frees us from other people's opinions. So many of us run around worried about what other people think. And to some extent, this is healthy. We want to be considerate. We want to be kind. We want to be compassionate towards other people's feelings. And we want to, we want to function well in society. But there comes a certain point where all the expectations of others enslave us. They enslave us. Where we get up in the morning and we can't figure out what to wear. We can't figure out what to wear because we're thinking of what will everyone else think. Where we go to work and every little action we do inspires fear in us because we're thinking what will the boss think. Where we go to school and we and we don't know how to act because we are scared of what will my friends think. But these young men said, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, or worship the image of gold you have set up. He was letting Nebuchadnezzar know they were letting Nebuchadnezzar know together that even if God did not save them, even if God did not save them, Nebuchadnezzar could not control them or their loyalty to God. Well, of course, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. Remember, these are some of his top officials. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Most likely this furnace was left over from making the statue. Most likely the statue was made of glazed bricks. And the furnace was left over from that and it had an opening at the top and an opening at the side into which the bricks would be placed. And it was a plenty hot thing to begin with. I don't know how many of you have ever been near a kiln, but kilns are hot stuff. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. The strongest soldiers in his army to come after these three young men. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, and the furnace so hot, that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers, remember, the strongest soldiers in Nebuchadnezzar's army, killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. The story doesn't stay there very long, because then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Weren't there just three? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. That fourth person was Jesus. And Jesus is with us in every trial. He was with the three young men. He is with us when we have difficult decisions to face. He is with us when we don't know how to deal with the problems with our friends. He is with us when we are struggling with all of the challenges that life brings. He is with us. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around him, around them. These men of high estate were crowding around the three young men, amazed at this miracle. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. No smell of fire on them. How many of you have ever been near a campfire? How do your clothes smell for the next six weeks? Not a smell of fire was on them. When I came back from Romania, I wasn't around smokers. I didn't smoke myself. As far as I knew, there was no reason for my clothes to smell like cigarette smoke. And yet, for three weeks afterwards, I couldn't wash the smell of cigarette smoke off of my clothes from Romania because it's a European country in which a lot of people smoke. Smoke lingers. But it didn't linger on these three young men. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. King Nebuchadnezzar didn't exactly believe in religious liberty, did he? And God had more work to do on him 
You should read the next chapter sometime because it's pretty amazing. It's about how God struck Nebuchadnezzar with insanity for seven years, and he was converted to believe in the Most High God. It's a pretty amazing story. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Not every story of standing for God has a happy ending like this. Not every story of standing for God ends with a promotion or with a deliverance. But what we can get from this story, what we can get from this story and hold dear to it is that Jesus is with us in every trial, no matter what's going on. <sighs> I wasn't going to bring this story up because I don't like using it in sermons because I don't want to abuse it. And my beloved parents are here and it hurts them to hear it. But I wasn't always an only child. I had a brother who stood for God. He gave, he went to Peru and I was with him, and he gave the most incredible sermon about, about finding peace in God. The next day he was, the next day he was constructing a church, and I was so amazed at how strong he was. I was just over there doing vacation Bible school, but he was, he was working really hard with the shovel, mixing the concrete. And I was just amazed and impressed at what a strong brother I had. Well, to celebrate the end of the mission trip, they decided they would go on a hike. But here's the thing. Every afternoon in Peru, it rained. And the soil was shaking. Well, my brother and I argued. No need to go into the details of that. At the end of the day, he fell and he never got up again. But I believe that Jesus was with him in that trial. And Jesus was with me in the trial of losing him. There was no happy ending in which my brother's life was saved. There was no happy ending in which there was a promotion. But Jesus was with me. And Jesus was with my brother and he was with my parents. He was with all of us. He stood with us in our trial, just as my brother had stood for him. Jesus can be with you in your moments of trial, just as he was there for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for being with us in our moments of trial. Thank you so much that standing for you frees us from slavery to so many things. Bring us close to you. And let us never forget how very much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.